The framework of business is completely different in the new normal. To explore culture as the strategy, we have to look in places we haven't before. Looking into company culture from the C-suite to employees and from Fortune 500 to startups. It's time to understand the human side of company culture and the new shape it is taking. This is the conversation on Culture Factor 2.0, and I'm your host, Holly Shannon. I'm really excited to share this with my Culture Factor 2.0 community. I've published Zero to Podcast. It was a book that I built to start my podcast, and I created it for myself just so that I could make other podcasts down the road. And then I realized that it's not just for me, it's for anyone looking to try podcasting for personal or professional reasons. So I'm also really excited to tell you that it already hit the top 10 in three best-selling categories on Amazon and number one in hot new releases in two categories. And even more exciting, the University of Chicago now carries it in their bookstore. So go buy your copy and get started. Zero to Podcast will be in the show note. I'll leave a link there. Or you could go to hollyshannon.com and you could buy the book and get any help you need building it for you or your company. Now on to our show. Dr. Anthony Orsini is a practicing neonatologist and founder of the Orsini Way. Dr. Orsini took what he learned as an ICU physician who had to deliver difficult news to families and founded the Orsini Way, a communication training company that helps healthcare professionals and business leaders navigate difficult conversations and build strong relationships. As you know, Compassionate communication in business is especially pertinent in today's climate, and he's currently training business and HR professionals how to navigate difficult conversations with employees around the pandemic. These conversations are never easy or natural, especially when they can't be in person, but delivering difficult news and compassionate communication is a skill that can be mastered. Today, we have Dr. Anthony Orsini with us, and he just had an article posted today in Entrepreneur Magazine that I will encourage you all to take a look at, and we'll add all the links in the show notes for that. But he also is a podcaster, and his is called Difficult Conversations, Lessons I Learned. I think I didn't get that name right. Um, And his book, It's All in the Delivery, and he will tell us all about these things as well as um, leave those in the show notes. So I am Holly Shannon with Culture Factor 2.0, and I would like to welcome, hi, Dr. Anthony Orsini. Hello, Holly, and thanks for having me today. It's a real honor to be on your podcast. Thank you so much. I I don't think I got the names correct, and I'm going to let you tell everybody the name of your podcast and your book, just so that they can absolutely have the correct version. The name of the podcast is Difficult Conversations, Lessons I Learned as an ICU Physician, and you can find that on any uh, podcast platform. And the name of the book is It's All in the Delivery, Improving Healthcare, Starting with a Single Conversation. Excellent. So let's get right into it because I think this is a really extremely relevant topic. Um, A lot of people have had loved ones go into the hospital during COVID, um, unable to be around them and nurture them and visit them and love them through difficult times. Um, Companies have dealt with a lot of uh, unique things during COVID with layoffs and firings and, and weird onboarding and many different things. So I think what you're doing is very timely and I, I want to dig in so, so we can um, see how you got to where you are. So as a physician, 
you realize that the type of communication that's necessary to deal with loss and illness was something that could be used in corporate situations, like where a layoff or a firing or a hard conversation were experienced. So when did you make this analogy from physician and CEO? That's a great question. I, I spent 10 years researching uh, early on in my career uh, the best way for a physician to break bad news to a patient or family and started the Breaking Bad News program, which is now being taught all over the country. Uh, and that program teaches uh, all, all doctors, from doctors in training, all the senior doctors, how to have the most difficult conversations. And I was doing that for about 10 years. Uh, and then I started to realize uh, that the same communication skills uh, that are required to build relationships with patients and to have those difficult conversations are the same communication skills that are necessary for HR professionals and CEOs and people to be good leaders. I started noticing that over and over again, uh, there were people in leadership leadership areas that were maybe the smartest person in the room, uh, but didn't know how to communicate, especially when it comes to those difficult conversations and we've all had them. And the best leaders know how to do that with empathy, uh, with compassion, but with effectiveness. And so I, as I started to read more and more up on it and started to speak to some businesses. I realized, you know, that if, if you can tell someone that their baby died and do that with compassion and effectiveness, and you can tell somebody that they have cancer uh, and build that strong, trusting relationship, uh, then you can certainly uh, separate someone from employment and do that with compassion and, and do that in the best manner. So the skills were all the same. You know, I, in fact, on my podcast, I'm interviewing uh, Linda Kaplan-Thaler uh, tomorrow, actually, from my podcast, and she wrote the, the book, The Power of Nice. And that book is about 10 or 14 years old, if I remember. Uh, and I was reading that book at about the same time and in that book, Linda uh, speaks about how her leadership abilities and her success of her advertising agency uh, really stemmed from uh, the concept that uh, learning to build relationships and being nice can get you a lot further uh, in business than you would imagine. That's really going to be a powerful uh, conversation that you're going to be having with her, uh, especially. Yeah, she's amazing. And plus what you bring to the table, it's probably, I'll definitely have to catch that. And again, we will definitely put your podcast in the show notes. I don't think anybody will want to miss that. Um, so you realized that um, a lot of what you have learned, um, you know, standing next to, you know, the beds at a hospital um, could be translated into the C-suite. So um, let's go there. So you constructed a roadmap for the C-suite. So they were able to use trust um, and tactical methods to have all of these tough conversations. And you created a methodology around that. Can you teach us? Can you share with us what that is? Yes. It, it always baffled me how many physicians or how many leaders go into difficult conversations without a plan. And I've been working with people for 15 years now, and we put them through improvisational role-playing sessions, or I'll discuss with them a particular conversation that they're going to have that they're finding difficult during a coaching session. And I'll ask them, so what's your plan? And the first answer I get is, gee, I don't really have a plan. I was kind of just going to go have that conversation. Or the plan is very informational. And so um, part of the, uh, I developed, I don't like to call it an acronym, I call it more of a roadmap. 
Um, and it's the P-R-O-G-R-A-M roadmap that I use to teach doctors, uh, leaders, CEOs when they're having their difficult conversations. And the P is for plan. And it might, it might sound very simple, uh, but when you're having a difficult conversation with an employee, uh, you, you have to have a plan and there has to be, to that conversation, there is definitely a beginning, a middle, and an end. And you have to have a plan going into that. And that plan, no matter how difficult the conversation is, the plan should not emphasize information as their priority, but it should emphasize relationship. Now, that means even if you're separating someone from employment, you want to do that in the kindest, gentlest manner because you're changing someone's life forever. And so if you try to keep it too businesslike, and I found that's one of the biggest problems that we have in medicine during a medical error, when risk management is speaking to a patient when something went wrong during conflict resolution, when we're separating someone from employment, if you, if you keep it too rigid, if you keep it strictly informational and you don't know how to use your verbal and nonverbal techniques to convey some type of empathy, it's not going to go well. And so the P is for, for position and plan. Position means think about where you're going to sit when you speak to that person and you're having that difficult conversation. Think about, you know, how you're going to sit. Are you going to act casual? Are you going to sit near the door? Are you going to sit away from the door? I had on my podcast, uh, Dr. Larry Bot, uh, Dr. Larry Barton, uh, early on in my podcast, he's one of the leading experts in workplace violence. And he spoke about, you can predict in most cases that the employee who's going to come back in many instances, that's going to come back and be violent or, or shoot the place up by the manner in which they're fired. And so you want to make sure that you're, you're positioning yourself for safety, but also that you're showing some compassion. Um, and then the R is a review. I, I interview many, many C-suite level people about, you know, what's the most difficult conversation you have to have. And most of them do always say separation from employment. And the thing that you should always know, the number one rule for breaking bad news for having difficult conversations in the C-suite or in, in medicine is that nothing should ever be a surprise. That bad news should always, always, always be broken gradually. And in the program acronym, the G is for gradual. And so that means over a period of time, when you're having that difficult conversation with the employee, they should know it com it's coming. And then during the conversation, if they already don't know it's coming, you need to use your review of what happened. And always, here, here's, a, here's a really excellent point when you're having difficult conversations. Don't give the news first and then say why. Whether I'm telling someone that they have cancer or I'm telling someone that we have to let them go or that they didn't get the, the big promotion, don't tell them you didn't get the big promotion, I'm letting you go, and this is why. Because what happens, the rule of thumb is after the bad news is given, they only remember about 10%. And you don't want to be the guy or the woman who's trying to explain to the employee why you just broke this devastating news. What you want to do is you want to give the evidence first and then follow that up with, and this is why we have to let you go. And so by the time I say to someone, this is why we have to let you go, they should already know it's going to happen. And it, it, it parallels medicine. By the time I tell you, that you have cancer, I've already started with reviewing 
the pathology report, if you remember, this is why we sent you for the CAT scan. If you had blood in your stool, by the time I say, and the pathology came back cancer, you should already know it's, it's coming. If I tell you, Holly, you have cancer, and now all the adrenaline in your body goes up, the epinephrine, you stop hearing, then you're going to start to say, I don't understand what's going on. And then you're trying to explain, and that takes forever. So make sure you use your review. Uh, and then the O is for observation, and observation is simply nonverbal language, and that is a lifetime of learning. And nonverbal language is about 70% of all language, and then there's another 20% is tone, inflection, and cadence of voice. And so uh, without even choosing the correct words, if you pay attention to your tone, inflection, cadence, and your nonverbal language, uh, you're 90% of the way there to showing some empathy and having that conversation go better. And then we talked about the G is gradual. If it's, and by the way, Holly, this isn't just for devastating news. If you wanna learn how to be a good leader, if you wanna learn how to get your team members to rally behind you and, and really building trusting relationship, if you're a doctor who really wants to build trust with their patients, um, you can do that in a very short period of time. And in that case, I say the G is not only for gradual, but it's genuine. So for those people out there who want to say, how do I get my team members to rally around me, to like me? How do I be an effective leader? And the answer is be a genuine person. And I do a whole, a whole workshop on how to be a genuine person and how to use humor and share personal uh, information, et cetera. And then I feel like I'm talking forever, Holly. Yep. And then the second- you, you have me entranced, honestly. Keep going. <laughs> um, I might go back though and review a couple things, but keep going. Okay, just stop me anytime. So the second R is for relationship. We talked about that. There's a relationship that you build um, if you're trying to, to create employee engagement. Uh, you, there are certain ways of doing that through your communication skills. Um, but even if you're breaking devastating news, there's a relationship that when that person leaves your office after giving them uh, terrible news, that person should understand um, and leave with, um, you know, sadness, but also appreciate that the way you delivered that news will go a long, long way. And then there's accountability is the A and M is meet again. And accountability just means that you've already, uh, under, you've already explained to that person that even though we're separating from employment, or even though you're having a bad report here, I'm still here for you. We can help you. The company can help you. Um, and then meet again is what's the next step. So be very specific about what's the next step is, okay, from this point here, you're going to go to HR. This is how it's going to work. Um, I'll set up, an, you know, you can call me. Uh, Dr. Larry Barton gave this great advice on the podcast. Uh, after you leave, I'll be happy to speak to you again on, you know, on Monday or Tuesday at a specific date and time. And because that gives you some control of the, of the situation at the end. And if you follow those, that roadmap and you learn about nonverbal communication and tone, inflection, and cadence, and understand that every difficult conversation is about a relationship, you will really get by on mo even the most difficult conversations. Like, as I said, if, if I can tell someone that their baby passed away or that, uh, you know, I've had, I've had a baby die on me 14 years ago and I still get Christmas cards from the families every single year. And so if you can do that, then really the rest of the conversations uh, are, are easy. You know, um, knowing that you were a neonatologist when I headed into this conversation, um, 
you and I had a little exploratory call uh, to sort of look at what program, you know, the roadmap for program was. And it took me immediately back. Um, most people don't know this about my history, but I lost my first child in the NICU. Um, I actually didn't even make it to the NICU. Um, and it's not something that I share with people and is actually really hard to articulate now. Um, but, I'm so sorry. But I remember um, some, some of what you talk about here in program. I remember the review and the relationship part that I had with my doctor at the time. And I'd say it was really critical for me. Um, you know, he was already demonstrating what you were talking about, you know, because I, I didn't lose the baby suddenly. I had something called severe preeclampsia, which um, is sort of gradual. And, and very often um, the parents are lucky and walk, walk home with the baby, right? Um, you know, some, sometimes it does not work out that way as it did for me. Um, but relationship was really critical. I had a very good relationship with my doctor. And while it may be hard for people to understand that analogy, um, I actually do because I went through it. And I can understand, I also have been through a layoff where I really felt like somebody was like extricating my arm when I lost my job, you know, when I was being let go and walking away with that complimentary corrugated box, you know, you, you feel like you, in a way, like you lost a piece of yourself. Um, and it might not be the perfect analogy, of course, to losing a baby. And, and, and I'm not trying to make that analogy. It's just that sense of loss that is um, indicative of both. And um, so I think it's really interesting um, for me how review and relationship, uh, the two R's in program really stand out for me. Well, first of all, I'm really sorry for your loss. Um, you. And then the other thing I would say is that you were fortunate enough, it sounds like, to have a, a physician who was able to communicate that compassion. And I say communicate the compassion because Truly, 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 I believe that all allied healthcare professionals, physicians, um, and in general, all human beings uh, are really compassionate people. It's where we fall short is that we either forget how to be compassionate um, or we don't know how to convey that compassion. Most people would be surprised to find out that very few doctors have had any formal training on how to give bad news or how to have difficult conversations. Uh, and that's why I started the Orsini way 10 years ago, because I realized nobody was learning how to do this. The, the second comment I would make is that, yes, nothing can compare in my mind to losing a child. Uh, but I heard a social worker say many years ago, and I do believe this, that um, these this is what's called the act of redefining yourself. And so after a difficult conversation or breaking bad news, you're redefining yourself as someone who lost the baby. But you, it, it, they're very similar uh, rules that apply if you're redefining yourself as someone who's now divorced, if you're redefining your someone someone who who had a great job and has now been laid off, you might be redefining yourself as someone who had a spectacular career in front of them, and just got a very bad report. So anytime that you are redefining someone, 
And that is your responsibility to make sure that you do that in the, in the best manner that you possibly can as a human being, whether you're a physician or a C-suite level person. So it's, it's really hard to move on to, to the next question. Cause it, you know, obviously it's just full of optimism. <laughs> I think I sort of sound <laughs> on a lower note here, but um, I'm going to shift to this question nonetheless. Um, how have you seen how using program, um, how has it assisted CEOs in, in HR? And conversely, um, how have you seen it affect the receiver um, of, you know, of this methodology of um, this roadmap? Sorry. Well, of course, you know, I'm not in the room when this is actually happening, but the feedback that I get from the HR professionals um, and some of the uh, and some of the leadership uh, is in the short term when they when they hear the lecture or they get trained, uh, their immediate response is something like, oh, my God, I never, never thought of having a plan. And I never thought of doing the review first. And I thought this was more about making sure that I cross the T's and dot the I's, et cetera. Um, so the feedback that I get later on from the people that I train, um, I get many emails back and a lot of feedback saying this has been, you know, you've you've made my job so much easier. And I, I feel, and here's the thing about having these difficult conversations. You could think of these as a task that needs to just get over with, um, or you can think of this as a skill. And I say that to doctors all the time when I'm training them, but it's the same thing when you're having those difficult conversations in business. Once you feel confident that you've been trained on how to do it and you feel confident that you're getting that feedback that after you have that difficult conversation with the employee and when they leave your uh, office, you now that that went pretty well and people thank you and things get, go better and things don't go sideways. You start to think of this as a skill that you're really proud of. And, um, and then that's a game changer. Because now you're not trying to say, okay, I, I have this, I have to let, you know, I have to let Julie go and I'm just going to get this over with. And, and, and because I'm very uncomfortable because as human beings, if we're not comfortable doing something, we're going to rush through it. Mm. It's confrontation. You know, nobody, nobody. Yeah. Nobody wants that. And nobody wants to make someone sad. Nobody wants to lay someone off. Nobody wants to tell someone that they have cancer or that they're going to lose their baby. So, um, but if you can think of it as a skill to be proud of, you know, since this was my research 10 years ago, it was always a lot of times people would wait for Dr. Orsini to come in to give the bad news to the parents. And at first I thought, well, that's kind of not fair. I'm always the bad news guy. Um, but after a while I started to realize that, you know what, this is something that I can do to really help people. Uh, and in the short term and in the long term, because we know, when you're giving bad news to someone that's devastating in medicine that you could affect someone for 30 years if you do it incorrectly. And so now I think of it more as a responsibility and that's what I'm hearing back from people, especially I really started doing more of the training since COVID because there's a lot of bad news in business now with COVID. There's a lot, you know, it's, it's interesting. You are, you have refined the skill of how to um, usher in a bad message in a compassionate way. And 
it really is a gift to be able to teach that because, you know, there are some people who I think instinctively have figured out how to do it. But I think most of us struggle with something like that, not knowing, you know, how to walk through, in your case, program to walk through some sort of methodology in a graceful, compassionate way. It's really a gift that you're you're giving the the C-suite because it's um, it's it's not easy to be on the receiving end. So any tactical measure that they could use is going to be worth its weight in gold, even if it only works, even if they only get it to work once, right? Like even if they just save one person from feeling completely distraught. And when you learn it, you tend to learn it forever, Holly. And it's not a strict memorization, even though we went over the acronym. A lot of the most important things that I teach, for instance, inflection, you may not realize that when you're having that difficult conversation that your your inflection goes up at the end of each word. Or does your inflection go down? If my inflection goes down at the end, that's that's more sympathy, empathy, compassion. Um, if I'm leaning forward in the chair and maybe with my elbows on my knees or my hands together, that's the universal sign for I'm in this together with you. Um, that's coming off as more compassionate. If I'm telling you that I have to let you go where, and I'm sitting either behind a desk or worse, behind the desk with my legs crossed and leaning back, I can say all the right words. I can say, Holly, I'm so sorry that we have to let you go. I really don't want to do that. But if I'm sitting back in a casual manner, your brainstem is going to interpret that as, no, he's not. He doesn't care about me. And that's going to make you angry. Yeah, that's where the genuine piece comes in, right? The G, like you need. Absolutely. Um, you know, it is. I'm glad you used the word genuine. Um, of course, it wouldn't have spelled program so beautifully if you said authentic. But uh, <laughs> um, authentic, you know, it's just a word that's being so overused, um, you know, because it's used to describe, you know, everything from personal branding to obviously delivering messages like this. Um, but I like genuine because um, to me, it's um, taps into being that real person, you know, um, and being true to who you are and in the moment with the person that you have to deliver this bad news to. So I like the word genuine. Yeah, I think it really, and, and if you're just trying to be a good leader and you, you want to be an effective leader for your team and you want to be well-liked and you want your employees to be engaged in what they're doing, being a genuine person as a leader, not just the VP, not just the manager, but the VP who likes the Yankees or the VP who, you know, we talk about in the, in the book Blink, talk about the effectiveness of banter. Uh, and, and you're just around the water cooler at work. These are all communication skills. And if you think about your, and I, I do the same thing, even in medicine, I have had bosses my whole life. And if you think about the best bosses, the people that are most effective, you know, I, I say on the podcast all the time, I've had leaders that I would walk through fire for. And 20 years later, if you said something bad about her, I would come right at you. And then I've had leaders that I just, oh, this, this person is just terrible. And the difference really is when you really get down to it, the difference is their ability to communicate and their ability to form relationships with the people they work with. 
Yeah, which is good company culture, right? I mean, we kind of circle around to it. I didn't even mention those words at all, but it really does come back to that in the end, um, at least when we're talking about companies that um, having that that particular empathy and relationship and being a part of the people that you work with, it's it circles back around, right? It's the difference between wanting to walk through fire and never or never think of that person again in your life because they, you know, weren't present or, or kind. I'm, I'm really happy to see that company culture is one of the hottest topics in business right now. I've had several people on my podcast to talk about it. Uh, Holly O'Driscoll and, and Bar Thompson and the whole bunch of people that I've interviewed, Claude Silver from VaynerMedia. And company culture is really a hot topic right now. And finally, it is. And I think in business, we're starting to realize, I hope, that the person that should be promoted is the person who can communicate and form relationships, not necessarily the smartest person. And that person might not be residing in the classical C-suite anymore. Yes. You know, um, you know, it's it's so interesting. I've had several conversations with different companies lately, just because I enjoy like tapping in and you know people that I've interviewed before, or you know, just having random conversations with people. And it's really, um, it's really interesting how you know we are all sitting in our kitchen. It has changed the way we view leadership. And it has changed company culture because you're, you know, you're not in the office interacting the same way anymore. So it has become a hot topic and um, COVID has ushered in some really great new positions and innovation. And I love that part. Um, But there's also been a lot of job loss and exit interviews and and things like that. So, you know, company culture is just as important on both sides. And it's great that you are teaching skills and methodologies that um, dial into the not so pretty side. Thank you. So Dr. Tony Orsini, actually Anthony Orsini, but you asked me to call you Tony before. Um, Only my mother, only my mother calls me Tony Holly. I mean, only my mother calls me Anthony. I'm sorry. But everyone calls me Tony except for my mother. She refuses. Well, Tony, I thank you. This is really great. And I, I think that um, a lot of people will be reaching out to you because it's such a wonderful skill and to have put it in practice in some of the hardest conversations a human being should have to experience, whether it is loss of a child or a debilitating or terminal disease and you have found a way to teach leaders how to use those skills. Um, On that note, I would like you to just share with everybody how they can contact you again um, and, and where they could learn. I'd like you to repeat your podcast and your book, and I'm going to put all this in the show notes as well. Thank you. Yeah, I can be reached and and people can email me at Dr. Orsini at the Orsini way.com. That's D R Orsini. Um, and, or you can just go to the contact us at the orsiniway.com. A lot of people just call, just email to ask questions and we're perfectly happy to do that. Also, you know, I was in the situation. What did you think? So just go ahead and email me and my staff there. The name of the book is called it's all in the delivery, improving healthcare, starting with a single conversation. And that's available on Amazon and also through my website. 
and the name of the podcast, as I said, is Difficult Conversations, Lessons I Learned as an ICU Physician. I'm very proud that that hit the Apple Top 100 in medicine in the first week. Nice. Um, And we're still doing really well with that. Um, And that is on uh, Apple and Spotify and Amazon and just about every other podcast that you can imagine. So um, again, I would welcome anybody just if they have a question to just reach out and they'll be happy to speak with them. We'll put that email and all the relevant links in the show notes so people can uh, contact you very easily. Thank you so much. This was amazing. This was difficult actually for me, but amazing (laughs) nonetheless. Thank you. And it was an honor to be on your podcast. You do a great job. I've been listening and uh, thanks for having me. Thank you so much. 